Hello, I'm Rick Schwartz. Hi, I'm Ebony Monet. Welcome to Amazing Wildlife, where we explore unique stories of wildlife from around the world and uncover fascinating animal facts. This podcast is a production of iHeartRadio and San Diego Zoo Wildlife Alliance, an international nonprofit conservation organization behind the San Diego Zoo and Safari Park. This next species has fascinated people for centuries. It defies typical biological laws such as metamorphosis and has inspired folklore and has gained newfound fame thanks to a popular video game. In nature, this rare amphibian is only found in Mexico. Today, we're talking about the axolotl and what makes it so unique. Rick, the axolotl is also known as the Mexican walking fish. But that's somewhat of a misnomer. What's the more accurate classification for the axolotl? Yes, Ebony, their nickname does lead us to believe they might be some sort of fish or something. But believe it or not, axolotls are a type of salamander. And salamanders are a group of amphibians, typically characterized by their lizard-like appearance with slender bodies, blunt snout, uh, short limbs, and the presence of a tail in both larvae and adults. Some people will even say that salamanders look like a cross between a lizard and a frog because of their moist, smooth skin like a frog's and long tails like a lizard's. I definitely see the lizard connection. So what is it, Rick, that distinguishes a salamander from a lizard? Well, Ebony, it's fair to say that at first glance, salamanders look like they are a type of lizard. I mean, I even said they have lizard-like appearances, four limbs, lizard-like tail, and so on. But there are some significant differences. For instance, when you look at the skin of a salamander, it's moist and smooth, where a lizard's skin is naturally dry and has scales. Another visual cue is to look for an external ear opening on the side of the head. Lizards usually have these, but salamanders do not. One other thing lizards have that salamanders lack, claws on their toes. These are just some of the obvious outward appearing differences. There are, of course, differences in their internal structures as well. Rick, the axolotl is culturally revered in parts of Mexico. Where in Mexico are axolotl found in nature? These charismatic amphibians once inhabited the high-altitude lakes around Mexico City. But at this time, they're only found in a few spring-fed canals and waterways in the area. Most research suggests that due to habitat degradation, pollution, and the divergence of water for agriculture has created many challenges for the axolotl. It was estimated that their population in the wild was between 700 and 1,200 individuals, but a more recent study done in 2019 suggests that number is probably a lot lower. So the axolotl never leaves the water. Just a few episodes back in an earlier episode, we covered the Chinese giant salamander, which also stays in its aquatic environment. How common or uncommon is it for an amphibian to remain in the water throughout its entire life? Honestly, Ebony, it's not that common for an amphibian to spend its whole life underwater. When we think about amphibians, such as frogs, toads, newts, and other salamanders, we usually think of the adults that have lungs and breathe air. They lay eggs in the water that when they hatch produce a larvae or tadpole, depending upon the species. At this stage, they have gills and stay underwater and are unable to reproduce. But eventually, they mature out of that stage, morphing into life above water with lungs instead of gills and are considered adults at that time capable of reproduction. But in the case of the axolotl, their development is a little different. They mature to a reproductive stage without undergoing the normal process of metamorphosis 
for a land-based adult life, a condition that's called neoteny, which is basically defined as the retention of juvenile features in the adult animal. Rick, is neoteny what causes the axolotl's face to look so innocent? Honestly, they're really cute. (laughs) Well, maybe. I I want to clarify for those listening. Axolotls are well known for their quote-unquote smiling baby face look. I recommend that you do an image search when you have a chance and specifically look at their face. Yes, do that. Yeah, right? They're so cute. They seem to have this permanent youthful soft smile. Now, is that youthful, soft smile a result of being a species that doesn't develop into a full adult phase? Well, maybe. I mean, Peter Pan seemed pretty happy. He never grew up, right? Right. (laughs) Regardless of the cause, though, there is plenty of research that shows we humans have a natural soft spot in our heart for what is considered traditional baby features. This visual stimulus creates a caretaker response in humans. So hopefully the axolotl's natural state of looking like a young, smiling animal will help people get more involved with the current conservation efforts. Hopefully. But Rick, is that a common thing And when it comes to conservation of animals that animals that are maybe considered cute get more support from the general public? I think at first, yes. I think that people can connect more emotionally right off the bat if they consider an animal looking cute. And so we do see general public interest in those that quote-unquote fit that cute dynamic. But it's our responsibility, as what we're doing here with this podcast, to make sure everyone's aware that all species really need our help. So regarding neoteny and the neoteny condition... There is an interesting theory about how it has helped some species survive. Can you help explain um, how staying in a more infant-like state may be a survival adaptation? Well, Ebony, there is an example of how it did help with long-term survival of one species called the badger salamander. And although it is only one example, I think it's a really good one to kind of help us understand why this might happen and how it can then help that species. So there is a human-made reservoir in Wisconsin called Badger Reservoir. This is a very large open water reservoir, and it's an inviting space, of course, for wildlife and provides easy entry for salamanders looking for a safe place to lay their eggs. (laughs) But plot twist, there is a wide lip along the edge of the reservoir, making it absolutely impossible for adult salamanders to leave the water. When their eggs hatched, the offspring that metamorphosed into the usual land-dwelling adult form with lungs to breathe, well, they would die because they wouldn't be able to swim for long enough in the deep water and eventually pass away. But somehow others managed to survive through neoteny or by reaching reproductive maturity without developing into that last adult stage and therefore not needing to leave the water to survive. That's very interesting. Like other salamanders, science seems to look at the axolotl for signs of the state of the environment. Rick, what can be learned about the environment by studying axolotls? Yes, that's correct, Ebony. Like all amphibians, their health is directly connected to the health of the waterways that they live in. Pollution of any kind that enters a waterway can easily be a threat to the overall health of the axolotl. In regions where there is poor waste regulation that allow trash, plastics, heavy metals, and chemicals to spill into the canals where the axolotls live, we see populations decline. When you couple these influences with climate change that has impacted water cycles due to droughts, well, we can see why the axolotl is critically endangered. In general, what role do salamanders play in the ecosystem? Because we've learned from 
past conversations that wildlife is, well, I've learned, you, you knew already, but <laughs> we, we've learned from previous conversations that wildlife is interconnected. So the disappearance of an animal can sometimes have unexpected consequences. Yes, you're right. And like other species, the axolotl plays an important role in the food chain of its ecosystem. Now, while they are a food source for other animals, they are also predators. The axolotl eats insects, small aquatic invertebrates, and small fish, helping to keep those populations balanced, which makes it worth protecting. Coming up, we have a special guest. An amazing wildlife young listener will have a chance to chat with Rick about her favorite amphibian, the axolotl. That's right after this. Now it's time for the San Diego Zoo Minute, an opportunity for you to learn what's new at the zoo. Two children's books published by the San Diego Zoo Wildlife Alliance Press were honored with the Gold Awards by the Independent Book Publisher Association, IBPA, at their 33rd annual IBPA Benjamin Franklin Awards. Author Georgianne Irvine's Hope and Inspiration Collection children's books, Saving Mocha, The True Tale of a Rescued Tiger Cub, won gold in the young reader, nonfiction, 8 to 12-year-old category. And author Carrie Hassler's A Letter from Tashi, A Snow Leopard Tale, won gold in the children's picture book, 4 to 7-year-old category. Did you know this species name was adapted from an ancient Aztec language? Here to tell us more about it is San Diego Zoo Wildlife Alliance Ambassador, Marco Went. Hi, Marco. Hey, Ebony. Yeah, you're absolutely right. Oxalotl's name originates from a Yudo Aztecan language called Nahuat, or as other people know it as Nahuatl, though the traditional pronunciation of the last two letters, TL, is more of a S sound or a K sound. Now, this language is spoken by nearly a million people in Mexico. The American English pronunciation of Oxalotl, or even the Spanish variation of Ajolote, are not its true origins. Axolotl's traditional pronunciation, axolot, originates from a combination of Nahuatl words of water, at, and xolot, which can translate to dog, companion, page, or even has a reference to unusual or abnormal. Axolot's mythical connection is to the god Xolot, the Aztec god of fire, lightning, and twin brother to Quetzalcoatl. It is said one of the Aztecs' creation stories that to avoid being sacrificed, Xolot turned himself into several things to avoid being found by his brother, Quetzalcoatl, the third transformation being that of Anaxolot. Language, like nature, evolves throughout history. Whatever pronunciation you adopt, understanding the heritage and the culture of the name Axolot, Ajolote, or Axolotl helps us connect further with this wondrous and charismatic species. For the second part of this episode about the axolotl, we kind of have a special guest, sort of a unique situation. Uh, we often will have kid questions where they send in questions and I'll answer them. But in this case, we're talking to my daughter because she and my co-host Ebony started a conversation about axolotls and Ebony thought it would be a great idea for you and I to have that conversation for this episode. And so she told the producers that idea, and they thought it was a good idea. So here we are. So, Acacia, why don't you go ahead and introduce yourself? Tell everybody your name and how old you are. Hi, my name is Acacia, and I am 10 years old. And I think it's kind of funny because I remember very clearly when you first even learned about the axolotl. Can you tell me about that time? 
So I was really into this game called Minecraft and they had this new update and it had all sorts of different animals. And they said that there was this new animal called an axolotl. And so I really want to discover what that was and find it in the Minecraft. And when I did, I was like, whoa, these are really interesting looking creatures. Yeah, I remember when you when you first found it too, I heard you, you're like, dad, dad, is this a real animal? Come look at this. Because <laughs> you weren't sure if it was a real animal or a made up one for the game, right? Yeah, I was like, is this made up? <laughs> yeah, and so that was a while ago. And then ever since you've kind of always enjoyed finding them in Minecraft. But then earlier this year, we ended up with some axolotls at the San Diego Zoo. And that was kind of exciting because it was a chance to now not just see them on a YouTube video or on a picture online or in Minecraft, but to see them in person, huh? Yeah. And when I first heard that, I was like, really? <laughs> I like, my head was like, what in the world? It's actually at the zoo? What do you think it is about the axolotl that made you so interested in them? I just like how cute their little faces are. And they always look like they're smiling. Yeah. And... The fringes on the gills mm -hmm. that are sticking out, it looks like fur. Oh, yeah. So the for anybody who doesn't know what they look like, and you're right, I like the part you said about the smile. I've, I've read people have written, it looks like they have the Mona Lisa smile. It's a very subtle smile. It's not like a big giant grin. It's kind of subtle. And then, yes, you're right. The gills, they stick out almost like, um, I wouldn't say f like a full mane of a lion, but they kind of stick out around the the back part of the head, yeah. and it kind of looks furry or fringy mm -hmm. like that. Have you heard about, because I know you, you've kind of looked into it a little bit with the axolotls, have you heard about their ability to regrow a limb? Uh, yeah, I've heard about it because I learned about lizards, and when I first discovered axolotls, when I heard that, I was like, oh yeah, that's really cool like they can regrow a leg they can regrow like their tail they can regrow like any part of their body yeah that's one thing that's kind of interesting because you that you mentioned lizards because if a lizard loses a limb such as a, a leg they can't grow it back but they can detach their tail yeah purposely and then regrow that mm -hmm. and that's a defense mechanism they leave the tail behind for the predator mm -hmm. but with the axolotl they could have a limb cut off and the tail doesn't naturally detach. Some part of the tail or all the way up to the, the rear end can be removed and they'll regenerate it. They grow it back. Mm -hmm. I think it's very interesting. It's So it's similar yet different than a lizard. Yes. Why do you think that's important for them? Why do you think they'd be able to do that? Um, Just in case like a predator or a human are trying to kill it or something, they might just cut off a part of their body. Trying to catch it, they might bite a piece yeah. off. Okay. Yeah, that's possible. And it's interesting. Scientists are still studying and researching why they have the ability to do that. And another question that's been posed, which I think is kind of not something I'd want to put an axolotl through, but the question I read about uh, a scientist was trying to look into was how many times can they regrow a limb? Is it like just forever for their entire life? Something keeps bothering them and taking off a limb. Can they just keep regrowing? Which I think is, again, not something I'd want to put an axolotl through, but it is a curious question. Yeah. Have you ever seen any pictures of, or do you know if the axolotls have teeth? No, I actually do not. I've never seen any pictures or seen them eat 
Yeah, they do have teeth. It's kind of interesting, though. Uh, the teeth are more for just grabbing and, and holding on to their food. They don't really bite off pieces of something with those teeth, and they don't chew with those teeth. It's more just for holding on, uh, from what I understand with what I've read about them. Kind of like uh, alligators and crocodiles. They don't use it for chewing or anything. Just use it to try and get it in their mouth. Yeah, that's a good comparison. Uh, alligators and crocodiles definitely don't chew with those teeth but can hold on very tightly to their prey. That's a good comparison. Mm-hmm. Although I don't think the axolotl quite has the same jaw strength no. as a <laughs> crocodile or an alligator. Not. We talked about their looks. Uh, is there anything else about the axolotl that you think is very interesting? Um, I like their tail because like, you can see like the actual tail and then it has like fins on around the tail, mm-hmm. which I think is cool because then it looks like their tail is like see-through almost. Yeah, they, so they have a long dorsal fin down the back of the tail mm-hmm. and then one along the bottom side of the tail. Some people say it kind of looks like the back end of an eel. Would it you does. agree with that? Yeah. With your observations? Mm-hmm. Here's a fun question for you. Hmm. Do you think games like Minecraft should introduce more unique animals like the axolotl? Yes, because when I first found the axolotl, I got very excited because they looked very, very pretty, too. And um, newer animals, like, into different games would be, like, good for other people to learn if they're not very popular yet on what the animals are. And then they might want to go research it because what they see them do in Minecraft. That's true. It's a good point because sometimes people who might be playing video games maybe wouldn't have a natural interest in some unique wildlife. Mm -hmm. But if they get exposure to it, it's an opportunity for them to learn more and and maybe even an opportunity for the video game companies to help with conservation of those species, huh? What do you think is the most interesting thing about the axolotl? Probably their colors. Oh, why is that? Because there's so many different colors, and I'm wondering if their colors, like, affects on where they live. Yeah, I think you bring up a good point where animal coloration can either help us understand where they live or how they live or can influence their ability to survive in their environment. Mm -hmm. And I did read when researching for this more to understand the axolotl better, I did read, and I, I have to double check other sources to make sure that this is accurate, but that the pink and white colorations that we tend to see in the axolotls and zoos Mm-hmm. is a result of them being in human care for multiple generations and not living in the wild. Huh. That because those who have lived in human care, it's a certain lineage of genetics that they have changed slightly over the years and they carry more the white-pink coloration versus those in the wild that are still out there, albeit the numbers are few, tend to be more of the gray, green, brown coloration mm-hmm. So to your point, they survive better in the wild with that kind of camouflage color. Yeah. I thought that was kind of interesting. I'm wondering if there's actually any yellow ones because there's yellow ones in Minecraft. But are there actually like real yellow ones? Because I feel like that would be a hard color to like blend in with. Yeah. So what I read about them, and I want everyone to know, I have never seen a yellow one in person either. But from what I have read, when they appear yellow, that is actually true albinoism. They have red eyes. And their skin to us looks yellow because it lacks pigment. And the way their body is structured, the way the light goes through that lack of pigment skin gives it a yellow color to our eyes. Interesting. Yeah. So the yellowish looking ones probably in Minecraft are a replication of 
being albino. I've detected to give them red eyes. Do you do you remember if the ones in Minecraft have red eyes that uh, are yellow? I don't, I don't know, but I could check. We'd have to check. We'll I can to... literally just spawn a bunch of axolotls and check <laughs> yeah. if they have red eyes. <laughs> yeah. And you had mentioned to me you had one more question about the axolotls. Um. Yes, it is. Why do the axolotls never grow up? So in the sense of they go from egg to their juvenile stage of having gills but never grow up as into having lungs and living out of the water? Yes. That's a good question that a lot of scientists are still trying to figure out. Now, earlier in the episode, uh, Ebony and I mentioned that there are other salamander species that it is assumed this happens because they did not have access to getting out of the water. And so perhaps the only way for them to reproduce was to go ahead and maintain gills and living underwater that way, but then mature enough to be able to reproduce. Usually being able to mature and reproduce also coincides with getting lungs and living outside of water. Yeah. So scientists are still trying to figure out why the axolotl never goes into what we would consider an adult phase of body structure, but still maturing to reproduce, but maintains living underwater, which is mm-hmm. in salamanders considered juvenile. So it's kind of interesting. And so maybe that's something you can figure out if you go further into science. Yeah, because in Minecraft, they are in water and you can get them on the land and they will not die. That might just be a Minecraft thing. I yeah. think with the axolotls, they might be able to get out on land for a little bit, but because their whole breathing is through gills only, I think they have to get back in the water sooner than later. Yeah. Well, thank you so much, Acacia, for spending some time with me to add to our axolotl episode, especially since I know you like axolotls so much. Thanks. It was really fun. I learned a lot. You mean you learned an axolotl? (laughs) (laughs) Thanks for listening. We hope you've enjoyed learning about the axolotl. And be sure to subscribe and tune into next week's episode, in which we bring you the story of the smallest bear alive today, sometimes referred to as the dog bear. I'm Ebony Monet. And I'm Rick Schwartz. Thanks for listening. If you would like to find out more about San Diego Zoo Wildlife Alliance, please visit sdzwa.org. Amazing Wildlife is a production of iHeartRadio. Our producer is Nakia Swinton, and our executive producer is Marcy DePina. Our audio engineer and editor is Sierra Spring. For more shows from iHeartRadio, check out the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you listen to your favorite shows. Listener.